Well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you back for um, our third term. Now, I reckon that reflection song, Speak, O Lord, uh, I think we should put that on a permanent loop in our hearts as a prayer. That was a prayer. This term is all about Christian disciplines, girls, how we can strengthen our foundations in Christ and deepen our relationship with him. As with everything worth doing, the more effort you put in, the more you will progress. Uh, Remember that in uh, 1 Timothy 4.7, Paul told Timothy to train himself to be godly. And if Paul says it, we know it's right. Now, I'll begin in prayer, and I'm going to use the words in that song. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth and plant it deep in us that the light of Christ may be seen today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, girls, our training begins this week with a heart for God's word. Christian disciplines are simply good Christian habits. Spending time in God's word is one of those habits. And if you were at Sunday church a couple of weeks ago, you would have heard Tim um, describe it as priority two in Christian disciplines. If you want to know Jesus, really, really know him more than you do now, firsthand, then daily Bible reading is a habit that you must develop. And perhaps I'm preaching to the choir, I don't know. Apparently the best way to make a good habit stick is to fall in love with it, and I think Trish has just done that. I suggest that you start small. Don't be overly ambitious. Have a clear intention. Know when you will do it each day. And know beforehand what will stop you from doing it. I suggest having an accountability buddy as well. Now, let's just say for the sake of it that you do struggle with reading the Bible daily. Now, devotionals, you have no no struggle with that. But the Bible, well, I can offer you a lifeline. I can show you how to read the Bible with purpose, perspective, patience, process. Now, that's an important one. They're all important. Process and prayer. Talk to me later if you're interested. For all the years that I spent time in the Word, there were too many times when my mind wandered. All of a sudden I was thinking about something completely different from what was on the page. Who knew that it turns out that I, to a greater or lesser extent, lack sufficient purpose, perspective, patient process and prayer. Even though I genuinely wanted to spend time in God's word. Now, every day, I am intentional. I work at it. Believe me, it can be very humbling. Sometimes I struggle. For example, I'm reading through Romans right now, and that is a struggle on steroids. But I'm getting to know our Lord and Saviour intimately. And no exaggeration, not even the tiddiest bit of exaggeration. 
I cannot wait to read the next chapter in the morning. And just to show you how true that is, I read it the night before as well because I just can't wait. And then I wake up in the morning and I'm straight into it. It isn't a chore, but it is a real delight. Well, most days. I'm not quite at Jeremiah's level when he said um, in 1516a, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and heart's delight. But sisters, I am getting closer. Wouldn't you love to gobble up those words too, delighting in them? Wouldn't you love to be washed by the truth unchanged since eternity? Wouldn't you love to be fashioned in Christ's likeness? Because that will happen as you read and study the word. Wouldn't you love to find your way around the Bible with confidence, knowing how all those 66 books written over a time span of about 2,000 years by so many different authors. I've read between 35 and 40 authors, but with God as the ultimate author. Wouldn't you love to know how they all fit together? How Jesus and the salvation God offers through him is the subject that binds it all in this, it's all bound together. All scripture is God-breathed and profitable. We need all of it, from Genesis to Revelation. We need the poetry, the epistles, especially Romans. We need the law, the prophecies, the wisdom literature, the books of Revelation, all of it not just the bits we are comfortable with, or familiar with, or prefer. By studying the Bible daily, we see how Jesus is found all through the Old Testament. You'll see God on every page of the Bible. He wants you to find him. He wants you to know his majesty, his reign, and his rule. God wants you to spend time with him. God wants you to know who you are in relation to him. By studying the Bible daily, we'll be women who know why we believe what we believe. Because we will know, deeply know, the word of God. Not Joyce's take on it, as good as that may be. Not Rick's take on it, as good as that is. Not even Tony's or Tim's or Matt's take on it. We'll know because we will know this from cover to cover, firsthand. I'm guessing, I may be wrong, that some of you dip in and out of the Bible. You have no real structure. And others of you just leave it for church or for the day when you do your life group study at home. For many of you, and for many reasons, some of you may feel safer reading devotionals. You pick up the Bible and think, oh, where do I start? 
How is this relevant? How does this fit with my life today? It's 21st century. Perhaps you simply don't get it, as I sometimes feel about Romans. It can feel overwhelming. Sisters, there's a huge downside in choosing devotionals over the Bible. Without really knowing what is in the Bible firsthand, you are missing out on a deeper relationship with Jesus and on an even fuller, more mature and more faithful Christian life. Can all of God's purposes for you be fulfilled without it? Now, it genuinely breaks my heart when I think of even one of us missing out, especially when it's been your choice to miss out. Now, what does the writer of Hebrews say in today's reading? In verse 11, it would be a good idea if you've got them there. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. The new King James calls it the try to understand bit, dull of hearing. And I looked it up in um, Bible Hub, but you can actually look at the original words. Um, and it does apparently mean dull of hearing. That's a closer translation. God expects us to be sharp in our hearing. Does that description fit you? Does it fit me? Now, I'm just going to tell you a little story, a tangent. might show you something. One Thursday afternoon, many, many, many years ago, I just got home from work and the telephone was ringing. I could hear it. I managed to open the door and get in time, get inside in time to pick it up. There was a woman from Youth and Community Services in the Parramatta branch. Okay? She asked me a question, one I was not expecting on that day. Would my husband and I accept a little boy for adoption? Could we come to the office on Tuesday? My answer, didn't ask any questions. My answer was yes and yes. I was given a name and an age. Between that Thursday afternoon and the Tuesday, I couldn't bear any distraction. I could think only of that little boy, our soon-to-be son. What did he look like? Would he be happy in our home? Could we give him the love, the care, the attention, the time that he would need and deserve? It's amazing what you can come up with with just a name and an age and a dream. On the Tuesday, we went to the office and we were given a piece of paper with some details, just one piece of paper, about him and three photos. Photos that are still burned on my retinas. Even just thinking about those photos is still visceral. That was in September. We met our son in December. In those months, the piece of paper about him was nearly worn out by us picking it up and studying it 
reading and rereading and rereading, imagining him, dreaming about him, wanting to learn everything we could about that little boy, wanting to know more. My husband and I didn't put that paper away. It stayed on our kitchen bench. We didn't say, oh, we'll look at it sometime later, we're a bit busy now, we've got, we've got people coming over, or I've got the washing to do. We, there was no excuse not to read it again and again and again. We couldn't get enough of it. We couldn't be with our son yet, but we could glean as much information as we possibly could from those words on that piece of paper. We could look forward to our future together when we could get to know him intimately. Do we value the Bible with a similar longing? Can we not get enough of the words on every page of it? Are we passionate about learning about God firsthand? Are his words our joy and our heart's delight? Are we desperate to know who Jesus is? Sisters, do we simply talk about this relationship that we have with Jesus? But the Jesus we know is from what someone else has told us about him. From our preachers, from our favourite podcaster, that pink book that so many women recommend to each other, that encouraging verse on the fridge. I'm not asking you to get rid of them, but push them to one side to let the real Jesus in. The Jesus you will find for yourself. In here, from Genesis to Revelation, this is real. This is God-inspired. This is divine. It is intimate. It is God revealing himself to anyone who wants to know who he is. Now, I'm going to say something and many of you are not going to like it. And I don't want to tread on toes. I don't, I don't enjoy being a nag. I mean, I might do it a lot. I might be a black belt at it, but I don't enjoy it. <laughs> these beautiful books, these devotionals, I've got a zillion of them. I love them. These, they're not God-inspired. They're not divine. Yes, they're easy to read. They're quick to read. They're comfortable. And many of them focus a lot on us, on our comfort, on our strengthening, on our whatever the author thinks we need that day. That's why they're so popular. Of course, they're better than nothing. But I would describe them as gospel light, L-I-T-E. A watered-down 
more palatable gospel. Do I still read them? Yeah. But they have their rightful place now. And it isn't first place. God doesn't want them to be first place in our lives. He's a jealous God. What must God think of us if we use these and not this? Think back to what James said in James 4.4. You adulterous people. I mean, you could hear him spitting it out, couldn't you? When the writer of Hebrews says, we try not to understand, we are being warned. Are we being warned that our relationship with God is lacking? That it's not rich enough, deep enough, wide enough, first in your life? In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. All our heart, all our soul, all our mind. Not with the bits that you manage to scrape together for him. He's revealed himself to us. But no, some of us have places to go and people to see. I know there are seasons in life. But when will it be God's season? I asked myself that about 10 years ago. A relationship that is real, that is authentic, it takes work. Communication, thoughtfulness, honesty, care. It takes attention and time. Time is, is a big factor. My husband and I have never scrimped or saved on our parent and son relationship. Then, all those years ago, we were available to our son. Now, he's a grown man, but we're still available, gladly, joyfully, thankfully. And that's how we should feel about our relationship with God. Take a moment to think about your relationship with God. Do you scrimp and save on the essentials in that relationship? Are you available? The communication, the thoughtfulness, the honesty, the care, the attention and the time? Really, we must examine each of those essential factors. I want to take you back to God's warning. Perhaps we are being warned that we fit too easily into the world. Back to James 4, 4 again. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Now, if you know the context of Hebrews, the Christian Jews were living amongst their family and friends and neighbours, other Jews, who weren't believing Jews, who weren't Christian Jews. It was difficult for them. They wanted to fit into the culture. They wanted to be harmonious. They wanted to be safe. So living and speaking the whole truth of Jesus was hard. 
They could easily end up friendless, even beaten, maybe in jail, maybe stoned to death. Do we whitewash Jesus? Differently, of course, from those folk, but whitewash nevertheless because, well, sometimes what Jesus stands for can be embarrassing and it can be confronting with our friends and family who are non-believers. What if we spoke about sin and the need for repentance? What does the world think about that nowadays? Would they laugh straight in your face, maybe? Or would they take offence? I think more and more likely that they would take offence and deep offence. Think about a couple of years ago with some well-known public figures. Let's see what the author of Hebrews had to say about the Christian Jews he was writing to in Hebrews 5.12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. That writer is angry and he's disappointed. Where's their commitment? What's with their spiritual growth? Can that be directed at us? Just because we've been Christian for X number of years doesn't amount to a hill of beans if we haven't been training in the basic disciplines of Christian life. You'll find them all in this term study book. Have we unconsciously chosen to stick to a baby food diet? For girls, we should be desiring solid food. We should want to study God's word directly. If you don't have the taste for it yet, then, this is not meant to be insulting, like babies transitioning to solid food, we must develop the taste. They say it takes at least 10 times of trying a new food before you like it. By the way, that never works with me. <laughs> it's the same with daily, intentional, purposeful Bible reading, and that does work for me. The more you read and study, the more you will want to devour scripture independently. Don't cheat yourself by remaining solely on a milk diet. If we don't read the word, we won't be able to speak up when needed. I know we believe the gospel, but maybe we don't understand all of it. And if we don't, we won't be sure of ourselves when scoffers scoff will remain silent. Think about it. How can we teach those around us if we still need the basics? They're not my words. They're in front of you. Look at Hebrews 6, 1-2. Here the author gives us some examples of a milk diet for these Jewish believers. Okay, you've got to take this in context. This is a milk diet for them, not us. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance. All Jews repeated, believed in that. 
from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, or Jews believed in that, safe. Instruction about cleansing rites, the laying of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. All Jews believe that. So the Jewish believers were playing it safe. No one, by, no one amongst them would be offended when they talked about those things. But where was the cross? Where was Jesus? I'm sure it was in their hearts, but you see it wasn't on their lips. Gospel light. In our culture, we'd probably say that the elementary teachings are talking to non-believing friends what about love? Everyone believes in love. What's another easy one? Forgiveness. Non-controversial. Easy. The beliefs we share with them. But why would someone want to be a Christian if they don't know the need for repentance? This is we all started as baby Christians. The good news is our spiritual growth never has to stop. If you just look again at the beginning of Hebrews 6.1, therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. That's where I want to be. I love that we can and should keep growing. We don't have to stay at the basics at the elementary teachings. Spiritual maturity is achievable. Hebrews 6.3 says it, and God permitting, we will do so. How? Certainly not by scrimping and saving in our relationship, but by being available, gladly, joyfully, thankfully available, available for us to get to know him through his word. And God will be with us all the way. Being available means having the time and the desire to read this. In Hebrews 5.14 it says, But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. By being in the Word, by studying it, we will know what is true and what is untrue and what is a half-truth. Beware of the half-truths. We will know what's light and what's dark, what's good and what's evil. It's about growing in righteousness, wisdom and discernment. Just because you bought it at Kurong, my favourite shop, doesn't mean that it is truth. Just because your friends love it doesn't mean it isn't dangerous. Now, a godly woman, her name is Jen Wilkin. Does anyone here recognise that name, Jen Wilkin? One. You all should. It was in Stay Connected for three weeks running. Boo-hoo. Well, Jen Wilkin very godly woman. She doesn't know me from Barasoap. But that woman has trained me. 
still very much in a junior grade, but she's trained me how to read the Bible. And she said this, we must make a study of our God, what he loves, what he hates, how he speaks and acts. We cannot imitate a God whose features and habits we have never learned. We must make a study of him if we want to become like him. We must seek his face. Sisters, please seek his face in here. I'll finish in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today and for the gift of such easy access to it. We ask that you forgive us for taking it for granted and neglecting it. We love you. Help us to love you more. Cause our faith to rise and our eyes to see. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Through your word, test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Your words are, are words of power that can never fail. Convict us daily and fill us with the joy of knowing that we can have a precious, priceless, glorious relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.